welcome to today's show. I am your host, Coach Debbie, and this is Story You Talk Radio. I'm here every Thursday at 4 o'clock Pacific Time, and we are live. So if you are listening on the East Coast, it is 7 o'clock your time. And in London, it is midnight. And in Hawaii, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So wherever you are, welcome to today's show. We're going to talk today about that interesting place that procrastinators want to get to. They really, really want to leave that zone and be the prolific writer. And they're wanting to know how to do it. What do I need to do so that I'm not procrastinating anymore and that I can be like those I look up to that just get into this consistent flow? So I'm going to just break it open to you right now that we are talking about taking risk today. If you have any trouble at all taking risk as a writer or with your writing business or bringing up your blog or getting started on your book, maybe even rewriting your brand, getting ready for that TED Talk, maybe even creating class content for your 2021 online course, whatever it is, if you're having trouble finding that zone of being prolific, I would love to take your questions today. We have our phone lines open at 1-888-298-5569, It's also our call letters, which is 1-888-298-KKNW. Yeah, we're on the 1150 AM dial. You can call in. You can find me on Facebook. You can post a little note in Facebook Messenger for me. I'd love to take your questions on this topic or really anything else. What I'm what I'm noticing right now because, you know, it's if you're listening live, you know it's January, we're in the middle of the month and it's a great time to start new things. So I have just started a writer's course. Uh, I'll have openings again very soon. If you are interested, you can always write to me at coachdebbie.com. Debbie is spelled D-E-B-B-Y, coachdebbie.com. I offer a a 90-day focus point where we're getting that book blog brand out of our head and onto the page. And this comes up at the beginning of every single class. Some of the writers are really, really afraid that they're not going to make headway because they're so entrenched in some sort of procrastination behavior. At the same time, what I think many of us feel is this um, outcast sort of feeling that we're the only ones that do it. And I'll tell you, I've I've worked with over 12,000 students at this point. 12,000. 
every every quarter that I was at the college, I had somewhere between 60 and as many as 90 students in a quarter to teach. So over time, 12,000 students. And yet, I can't remember, except for a few that I think were lying, <laughs> I can't remember anyone saying that they had never had at least a short bout with procrastinating. And there's a lot of reasons why we do it. But what most of us want is to get into that zone of highly worthy content. We, we kind of make up the idea that other people are doing that and we're not. But what we don't realize is the risk that's required when we're writing. We don't realize that writing is often asking us to be more vulnerable than we thought we need be. You know, sometimes we're just looking at the assignment or we're looking at the task at hand. My, my writers right now are looking at the task of what is their mission statement going to be regarding their book or their blog or their brand or their TED Talk? What's that mission that they are out to do? And once we know that, there's so much we can do. But what a lot of people don't understand is that it's okay. In fact, it's encouraged to move beyond the cliché of things we've already heard and really get into your vulnerable story. Doesn't mean you have to tell everything you've ever experienced, but it does mean you need to get beyond some of those superficial layers of playing it really, really safe. So I was thinking about this topic today, the notion that that when a person is is procrastinating, they're often asking, why, why have I not broken through to that more prolific side of life and, and writing? And I often go to my, my literature courses that I studied when I was an English major, and, and I think about the characters I studied. Now, one thing that's very interesting to me is in literature, you often find, well, especially like in Shakespeare, when you're an early, early major. Now, I went, I went to a private Jesuit college, and so taking Shakespeare was required. But one thing I noticed was we were either deeply involved in, a, in reading a tragedy or a comedy. Not really anything in the middle there. There was this tragic, tragic story going on. I mean, think of think of Hamlet. Oh my goodness. Oh, did he suffer? <laughs> you know? But on the other hand, the same writer, Shakespeare, created a Midsummer's Night's Dream, possibly my favorite of all times that Shakespeare put out, but highly comical. And and yet those characters, they were, I don't want to say avoiding life, but they, they had their own 
uh, indulgences, their own debaucheries that that were just allowing them this fun, carefree, wild nature that I didn't see, of course, in the tragedies. But here's the thing. It, it seems like the tragic heroes are, are trying to recenter and the, the comedic stories, they're doing everything they can besides recentering. They're, they're running away. But what I see is we're just like that. Don't you think? Don't you think humanity's just like that? We're, we're either, you know, if, if, if we're in the extremes, we're in a place where we're really, really desperate to get centered again, or we're just being silly and, and fed up and tuning out and we don't care. <laughs> For a while, we just don't care. I, I find that in those extremes, the, the tragic heroes at the very least they're pretty much asked to rise up. They're, they're asked to shed those layers of superficial exchange, superficial portraying, superficial images, and really, really rise up and see what's underneath it all after all. And yet on the other wide spectrum end of things, the comedies, they're just ridiculously silly. And and those actors, as a friend of mine would say, those actors have dropped out of adulting. But they'll be back. And, and so what we see is that balanced midpoint. It kind of gets skipped over. And what I find is people that, that are back to their balance, to their center, in that midpoint. They've learned from the hard tragedy of life or they've decided that the, the overhaul comedic debauchery, <laughs> you know, it's time for that to end and to find their bearings again. They, they leave that place of putting things off. And they get back into being vulnerable again, taking risk again, finding some love for life again. It's, it's not so heavy anymore. And it's not so ridiculous anymore. It's more about, okay, all right, all right. I'm done with this for now, okay? I really want my sense of being back. Well, procrastination is that place that is in our tragedies and in our comedies where we're not centered at the moment. We're asking, why am I not ready? And why do I feel so held back? And why am I not facing things? But we don't know in those moments that vulnerability is inviting us in it's it's in that middle ground again of where we get centered 
where we're real with ourselves and other people, it's a little bit risky being vulnerable. But really, that's that's how you rise above any sense of weakness, any sense of extreme, and and you find yourself again a little more prolific, a little more ready in the morning to shape out your ideas on paper. You find yourself back at your center. And and you're not so worried anymore what people are going to think about this. You you start to you start to see life instead of being a a series of extremes, you start to regain this curiosity, this sense of, of balance, like I've said. And at some point, the prolific writing happens because, I'm just gonna go ahead and give it away, because you feel that things are now naturally balanced. You've sort of you've sort of been walked back to your soul. You've been walked back to what's real for you. You're not worried as much anymore of what people think or what they're going to say. But you're more aligned with the idea that you don't need a tragedy or a comedy to be you. You don't need to be way out there on the left or way out there on the right. You just want to be you. And being ourself is a risky and vulnerable action in this world. But if we're willing, really willing, we find that our best writing and our daily writing comes right out of that place. Now, you might not believe me yet, (laughs) and that's okay. That's okay. But we're going to go into some testimonials. We're going to look at this deeper. I really want to invite you, if this is on your mind, even if you want me to read your question um, and and just hold you as an anonymous caller, that's fine. Uh, But I do. I would love to hear from you today. If you have a question about this, I see that Josh has already started typing something in. So we'll be getting to you very soon. And I also want you to think about the fact that even though I harp on vulnerability often, I, I do follow, can I just say in my own defense, I do follow people who I think are extremely good at being vulnerable and and consistently vulnerable. Uh, Annie Lamont is one person that I've spoke of many times. And I just want to read you a passage from her book I have right here. It's called Bird by Bird. And the subtitle is Some Instructions on Writing and Life. And I love this passage she has here in the middle of her book, when she's talking about index cards, she says, one of the things that happens when you give yourself permission to start writing is that you start thinking like a writer. You start seeing everything 
as material. Now, why is that so important? Well, for one, people that are not writing are often procrastinating or putting something off or they're being a little bit like the the tragedy of, oh, things are just so, so big. I couldn't possibly write today. Or they're checked out in the comedy and, and they've just gone to kind of flitting around for a while. They don't see content wherever they're going because they're not developing any sort of practice around it. But even more so, they've gone too far to the extremes, so they are now fearing their own vulnerability. They're fearing it. And if you fear your vulnerability, then, of course, you're failing to use it as one of your greatest gifts in communicating with those that love to read your content. So we're going to come back and we're going to talk about this valuable, valuable way of moving out of procrastination and into being a prolific writer. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Lisa Downs, host of Reigniting You, the show that takes a positive, forward-looking approach to mid-to-late career transitions for Gen Xers and Boomers every Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock Pacific. Whether you're looking to stay in the traditional workforce, do your own thing, or retire or semi-retire, Reigniting You is your source for career transition advice, inspiration, and insight for what's next in your career and life. Join me Wednesdays at 3 o'clock to get re-energized, recharged, and reignited. Hey there, it's Kristen Rowe Finkbeiner. I am the host of a great show you're going to want to listen to called Breaking Through. It's here on Mondays at 5 a.m. We tackle the top topics facing our nation with experts from across the country that bring news to you in Washington State that talk about how your voice matters, how you can best be heard, and how you can make a difference. We're on right here on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. at 5 a.m. on Mondays. Breaking Through. Be there. Find our app in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and take us with you wherever you go. Alternative Talk, AM 1150. And welcome back. You're listening to Story You Talk Radio. We are live today and we're talking about that funny, funny dichotomy of procrastinators that are usually looking up, looking up to the prolific writers and thinking, how did they do that? (laughs) I often think of the procrastinator as being on the left side of the spectrum and the prolific writer being on the right side. But what I like to remind my students to remember is that all writers, all of us, have times, we have seasons when we do take up procrastination. It's just the far opposite of really being in that flow with our writing. So I really feel like the thing that helps us get centered so we can be 
be in that open space, be in that curious place and write again is coming into our vulnerability. And for many people, being vulnerable means something terrifying, like allowing yourself to be weak or allowing yourself to just be completely naked and judged. But actually, vulnerability is when we we sort of take on that image that Joseph Campbell used to talk about in The Hero's Journey. And I love this image. He says, all humans, not, not just men, not just women, not just people that live in one place or another place, <laughs> all humans, all of us, all humans must rise to the courage just like a snake who sheds his skin. So in other words, vulnerability is an act of courage. It's an act of shedding a layer, not not taking everything that helps us be skillful and maneuver our way through life off. Not that. Just a layer, a layer that might be a little artificial, a layer that might be used up, a layer that might be crinkly and has lost its freshness, a layer that might not be completely honest. Vulnerability is just our, our ability to stand in cure, courage, stand in courage and take on what's in front of us. But if we're afraid to do that, over and over and over again, what we'll do is procrastinate. And I, I have my doctorate degree on all the ways in which you can procrastinate. <laughs> and, and I'm being a little facetious there because what, what I mean is I tried them all. I tried them all. And I was pretty darn successful at getting out of all kinds of stuff because there were some types of procrastination that I tried over and over again and and I got pretty proficient at. I found in a recent article in Huffington Post some of the most common ways that we procrastinate and I also have a few of my own favorites. So I, I think we should take a look at this. But I want to go into this by sharing with you a quote from James Clear, who wrote the book Atomic Habits. I've talked to you a little bit about that book. It's really, really good. And I'm, I'm not someone that loves to be goal-oriented. But what I find about James Clear in, in the book Atomic Habits is that he has this clear understanding that if we put something on repeat, we're going to get better at it. And the whole reason we don't put things on repeat is, is that we've got certain fears around who we'll be once we're actually better at something. 
so that that isn't actually the quote I wanted to share with you. That was just something top of mind that I've taken away from reading his book. But listen to this quote. This came out in his newsletter uh, just today or yesterday. I like this. He says, in the long run, the way you treat your time is the way others treat it, too. In the long run, the way you treat your time is the way others treat it too. Now, this really spoke to me because as someone that, like I said, used to practice my little PhD in in procrastinating and constantly trying to add on new ways to do it, what I found was when I didn't value my time, the people that I valued most didn't either. Not a bit. This this was a, a really, really, really hard issue uh, back in the days when I was married. We, we often would have disagreements around time and management and how we thought time should be used. And what I really honestly was not thinking about was that since I didn't have tremendous respect for my own personal time, How could I expect my spouse to respect the time that I wanted to share and have in a shared relationship with him? Really, how could that be? There were even arguments where he would say that I didn't have respect for his writing time. And that would often hurt me terribly. But it would also follow those times when I don't know that he did either, you know, because we all fall into a slump here and there. So I think that's something really, really important to recognize. And that is we're going to be prone to procrastinate even more if the people around us get sight of it, because there's no reason for them to respect our time If we're not, really, why should they? Huffington Post also said um, that many, 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 many people procrastinate because of the fear of failure or the fear of success. And I think that's true, too. I think it also plays back to the notion that we we have these extremes, I mean, think of Shakespeare. Think of his tragedies and his comedies. Those characters, over and over again, were fearing their success or fearing their failures. And they were showing it in some way that was just hugely funny. Or they were showing it in a way that absolutely grabbed at your heartstrings. Like I said, Hamlet, oh my goodness, have you ever sat through an entire play <laughs> of Hamlet? I can't even guess how long that thing is. It's it's well over three hours. It it might even top off at four. I'm I'm not exactly sure, but it's a long. And the whole time I re- you know, why have I seen a Hamlet play? Because it was required. <laughs> it was required in school. 
but I, I, I do remember this part that one of the ways I really felt for just, just, just felt my sympathies rising up in me was that there was such a philosopher in that play and, and not, not a hungry character seeking, seeking to follow his own bliss, seeking to follow his own curiosity about life. Um, just, just so caught up in the, in the games and the war of mind and overthinking and, and I, I guess I want to say trying to get it right and failing terribly because revenge kept, kept being this theme. Um, we do that. We do that in our own lives and, and we don't have to be as tragic as Shakespeare's characters to play this out. I mean, you can just be sharing a cubicle with someone and find yourself in a crazy tragedy. <laughs> you can be writing in the commute after, after months and months of working at home. Maybe you're living somewhere where the commute has opened up again and you're, you're back to the anxieties of going from home to work. That's, that's a place where that, that human spot inside gets into a very protective mode and it, it will not tolerate any vulnerability. It, it will not tolerate. And so just that habitual daily drive starts to take a person away from our natural instinct, which is to be curious which is to create. And for the writer, you know, curiosity and creativity leads to prolific writing. It leads us away from even having a desire to procrastinate. I think that some of the, some of the people that I've worked with who have suffered the most from procrastination, honestly, I mean, just coming back to this article in Huffington Post, they were worried more about being successful than they were about failing. And, and that might seem ironic, but there's an extreme responsibility that comes with success. And so even in that regard, I often think of the tragic characters as being more aligned with fearing that they'll become successful and, and the comedy avoidant type, the procrastinator, they feel, they fear their failure, but they're, you know, they're willing to get drunk and write it off. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they have a different approach to it. Whereas in the play Hamlet, we, we saw a lot of fear of success, a lot, a lot. So we can take on these characteristics of just really, really worrying 
that will never be prolific, that will never have a free sense of curiosity and creativity. And what I really want to stress is it's right below the surface. It really is. It happens when we shed just one little layer of skin. I mean, think about it. Sometimes sometimes all you have to do is scratch away at a, a wound that's almost healed. And if you give it a little scratch, um, you find a, a little layer of tenderness there. But as it's exposed to fresh air, that wound heals up quicker. We find that putting the Band-Aid on at first helps us start to heal, but at some, time, at some point, whatever that little wound was, it, it needs to be exposed again to fresh air. It needs that freshness again to really heal. And I feel that's what happens when we let ourselves be vulnerable. We scratch away just one tiny little layer of wound, a tiny little layer. And we get out from underneath the bandage. And, and we just sort of take on this chance to be fresh. As a writer, we say in this just tiny, tiny identity with a wound or tiny, tiny identity with fragility or, mm, you know, once upon a time I went through this and if I write it, will they accept me? That tiny, tiny insecure feeling before we let it become this enormous fear of failure, can we? Can we just write it down and get honest with it? And be the author of that story that really wants to heal and come forward. Again, I don't think it's it's in the bloodiness of something. I'm, I'm not asking you to expose yourself when you're in ER. <laughs> Nothing like that. But I am saying at some point, if we stay so protective of our real gifts, our real curiosity and natural ability to just explore our words, we're not going to grow. We're not going to be prolific. We're always going to find ways to lean left into being more procrastinating instead of leaning right and finding that prolific sense in us. You know, Josh, you, uh, I want to, I want to say here, um, Josh has written in with this great question, how do I be vulnerable and sound like I know what I'm talking about? Do these two go together? In my work, people depend on me for my leadership. I send out memos constantly. Is this a place to be vulnerable? It seems wrong. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hey, this is a great question, Josh. So we're going to come right back and talk about vulnerability, leadership, and writing. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m., right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Knorr with your health tip of the day from the African American Wellness Project. Prostate cancer is the most common cancer for men, African-American men are more at risk. That's primarily because it's often diagnosed when it's more advanced. The good news is that diagnosed early in most prostate cancer can be treated effectively. If you're a man over 50 or have a family history of prostate cancer, talk to your doctor today about a test. For more information, visit aawellnessproject.org. Seattle, Tacoma, Antwerp. That's right. We're streamed worldwide on our app and on the web at 1150kknw.com. Hello and welcome back. You are listening to Story You Talk Radio. And we're really getting into that topic of being vulnerable in your writing so that you really get into the flow with your own words. We were we were looking at Annie Lamont, who really believes that you're never short on words or short on content anytime you are are shedding away this overprotection of your image. I really relate to this very, very much. And I, I think this may have been part of what drew, drew you in. Um, I'm talking here to Josh, who wrote in about being vulnerable at work. And he says, you know, is this a place to be vulnerable? Because, as he put it, people depend on me for my leadership. Now, I really appreciate this question. You, you got me thinking here. So what I want to say to you is we, we've been talking about leaning into tragedies and comedies and, and these dichotomies when, when we go far to the left and far to the right. And I hope you all know I'm not talking about politics here. I'm just really talking about direction. We can lead ourselves far off our own paths. But how do we find ourselves in the center again, feeling centered. So Josh, as someone in leadership, you might feel that, you know, being a leader is like leaning far one direction, whether it's left or right. Um, Again, not political, but that being vulnerable is 180 degrees away from that, leaning completely in the other direction. So what I want to share with you here is that I think your strength as a leader is in knowing that your presence is essential. Your presence is essential. If you can start from that, what was the word you used? Um, Memos, that you have to compose memos. If you can sit 
yourself down in front of the computer before you compose a memo and really feel into the fact that you you are the leader here. You're not the only mind, of course, but you are the leader and you have a message to share. I think this will help you not shed all of your skins because we never want that, but it will help you realize your people need your presence. So how might you be present without, you know, fixating over your tie, <laughs> we would say, to just conjure a, a physical image here. You know how people sometimes, you know, push their tie up right up to their Adam's apple when they're saying something they think is very important? Well, I think if you're going to be straight as a leader and present as a leader and vulnerable to your people, then you don't want that sort of image, mental image. You want the image more so of being present and looking into the eyes of people and sharing with them honestly that you believe in them. I think this sort of vulnerability is not demonstrated that much to us. And so what we find is that we know a lot more about being critical or judgmental or making fun of someone for being weak, you know, the other extreme. But it's, it's sometimes hard to step into that place where we're just present with our people. And, and maybe that's what motivated you to write in today. Because I, I feel like in the leadership positions I've held, anytime I can look back and say, that was a good day. I liked how I showed up. The, the number one thing leading me that day was that I felt present. I didn't necessarily feel like I had, I, I was in any way weak um, or that I was too exposed or that I actually had cleaned up so well. None of those things really. But I did feel like I, I was showing up for the others who were also showing up and that I was willing to take a lead role and that I was willing to put a little something on the line. Not not a huge something on the line, but a, a little something on the line. To be that role model and show others, this really helps us connect. In fact, um, I was talking, about, talking to someone um, over Christmas, a family member of mine who's really, really, found himself in a real hard place just days before Christmas. And one of his questions was, what should I do? And you, you know that feeling in that question of what should I do? That's often an invitation of how do I be vulnerable and not lose it? Or how do I cover this vulnerability? But you know what I think is... We have this innate ability to sit down and be friendly with people 
We really, really do. But we also live in a world that we have a lot of judgment around, you know. In, in fact, we we get so caught up in our judgments about the world that our fear is any amount of vulnerability will just be too much. It'll just bring up too much emotion. On the other hand, when when my family member asked me, what should I do? I could really hear this, I, I want to do the right thing. And there's often this, this invitation to be open again and to just step into that, that place that just feels right. And so I said to him, can you go to that person and just say the truth in a sentence or two? Do you have one or two sentences that would sum up the truth? And he said, yeah, but what if I look like a fool? And I said, no, I, I just don't think the truth, your honest truth, could ever be foolish. I mean, you could get judged. And if you don't want to be judged, well, yeah, you're up against something tough. But if what you're asking, what can I do, is this call to your heart to just use your words and and be truthful, I think the best thing you can do is be present and just say as succinctly as you can what's true for you. And honestly, my friends, anytime I practice this, it helps me have that access to more and more content, more and more ideas for a blog, more and more clarity about my brand, more and more ideas of what's the next chapter in my manuscript. I don't have to worry so much about it because I was called to be present. This family member of mine is saying, how can I do that? How can I do what is the next right thing? Well, whether you're like Josh, who is in leadership, or you're like my family member, who's, you know, really being called on the carpet here. I think what people are are wanting and expecting is our presence. And that makes us vulnerable, but not so vulnerable that we're naked or nasty or lost. Not that. Vulnerability is just that layer that's below the surface. It's right below the surface. And you can go deeper and deeper into it if you choose. But don't forget, it's just below the surface. It's just a creative invitation that says, go a little further, just a little bit. So let's say you were thinking, you know, I'm, I'm going to write a little note that um, gosh, I don't even know what Josh does for a living. But let's let's say the issue is that people are not on time these days. So I need to put out a little memo to articulate some some leadership here and let people know how this this works here at the company. 
uh, you could be very frank and just pull out all the all the reminders of what all the rules are and how it works here at this company. Or, or you could add a little more personality, that vulnerability that just says mm, something from your own life, you know, such as I, I've, I've noticed that we're not all punching in on the clock at, at 9 a.m., and I don't want to say that 9.02 is too late, but just like all of you, I have things going on at home, and I value being here on time, and I want to see that that we all share this value. <laughs> Did I do well, Josh? <laughs> that's right off the tip of my head there, but... But do you see how that's a little more vulnerable? You're you're mentioning that although they might know you as someone in a suit and tie, you come in from home just like they do. You know, you're driving in from home. You're taking you're taking public transportation in from home, however you do it, and uh, you have a value of being there by nine, and you want this to be a shared value. That's just one layer of being vulnerable with your people without asking them to go to the manual and on page 73 and in part a, it does proclaim that, you know, you don't have to do that as a leader. We can be a little vulnerable and get our message out there. And, and we find that by doing that first memo, well, when the next one comes along that we need to do, we're not quite as scared. And then a week later, we need another one. And it's not totally new territory anymore. And another, and another, and another. We think it's going to go away. And we won't ever need to write a memo again. But that's not how it works. Actually, we're called to write more and more. And that's what makes us prolific. We get good at this. We stay open to the fact that a while ago we dipped our toe into those chilly, awful waters. <laughs> and, and we found that we could say something that was just below the surface. And we were okay. And then we do it again and again. And we do it again. And then we do it again. <laughs> And that's what makes a prolific writer. I, I want to bring up this final quote that I, I marked down for the show today. Because when you're prolific, you are taking risk. When you're vulnerable, you are taking risk. When you're sharing your heart, you're taking risk. And yet... I want you to keep taking risk, but be really smart about what you let in. So with that said, I want to share with you this quote from Brene Brown. She says, and I love this, this comes from why your critics aren't the ones who count. Brene Brown says, if you have constructive feedback you want to give me, I want it. But if you're in the cheap seat, not putting yourself on the line. 
And just talking about how I can do it better, I'm in no way interested in your feedback. Now, that is a gutsy thing to say, and I love it. Because what she's saying is, if you're taking the vulnerable risks that I'm taking, we could have a conversation later because I see you on par with what I'm up to. I'm being prolific over here. I'm investing. But if you're in, quote, the cheap seats, the cheap seats, I love that. If you're in the cheap seats, not putting yourself on the line and just talking about how I can do it better, I'm in no way interested in your feedback. That is a quote from Brene Brown. And and she is thought of as kind of the wizard of vulnerability. You know, she brought it to the surface at a time when no one was specializing in it. So thank you, Brene Brown. And thank you, my dear listeners, because it is it is one of my goals to help you be more comfortable with your voice, but to do it by upping the level and taking more risk, putting out those memos, making yourself say just a little bit more, going a little deeper, scratching away at the surface, trying it out. If you stay with it, you will, you will be more and more prolific at what it is you aim to do. I want to thank you for reserving this hour. I have enjoyed your company so much. I'll be back for a new topic next week. And until then, namaste, my friends. Your story, it lives in River City, where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives.